Welcome to The Purposeful Project. We help entrepreneurs for free. On The Purposeful Project podcast, we share real-life stories from some of the world's most successful entrepreneurs. We like to think our podcast will provide mentorship to those that need it and give you access to the knowledge you need to start and scale a business. To hear these incredible stories, follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere you listen to podcasts, or you can simply visit purposefulproject.com. It's Rob Moore here, and I'm with the awesome... Are we friends yet? I I, I like to think so, yeah. Through voice, we've managed to be friends, which is an interesting phenomenon, isn't it? Yeah, because I always have to check first, because I often fall in friendship love quicker than other people fall in friendship love. And I'm like, oh, we're friends, and they're like, nah. Anyway, this is uh, Simon Squibb, uh, and Simon is an amazing... I actually think you are a disruptive entrepreneur. I really do. He's a big risk taker. He's so many investments and companies, massive on TikTok. We became friends actually through Clubhouse. And I'm in the privileged position where Simon is interviewing me for the Simon Squibb Show, which is a real privilege. Yeah, it was an honour. Thank you for giving your time up. My pleasure. And then we're going for sushi afterwards. Yeah, so it's a hard life, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So over to you. The show is yours and I'm your humble servant. Well, we're also live on TikTok. So uh, for those folks listening on TikTok, hello. And yeah, I, I, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in Rob's office in Peterborough. It's an incredible complex, uh, incredible business that he's built here. And um, you guys listening know Rob, so I don't need to go to the internet. But today I'm actually hoping I can find out some things about Rob and his journey and gather some knowledge from him today that not only people on my channel can learn from, but hopefully you guys can learn. I know uh, you probably all caught uh, Rob's many messages over the years, but I'm going to get something out of him today that you've never heard from, heard of before that hopefully will help you power up your life, power up your business, give you the right mindset. Within my uh, platform, The Purposeful Project, my mission is to help 10 million people start and grow a business of their own. It started in a pandemic when I could see that many people were losing their job, people going to furlough, potentially not getting a job coming out the other end, people in university can't find a job as they were promised. And so instead of wait for a job, create one for yourself. And that's my mission. And part of what I'm doing to help people is interview successful entrepreneurs so they could share how they did it. It shouldn't be a secret how these things happened. I know we will read the Instagram quotes, it's all about hard work, but it's more than that. It's a lot more than that. So uh, I'm going to interview Rob now and hopefully get some knowledge from him that will help you. Now, uh, Rob, maybe uh, for my audience that don't know you, uh, would you mind just talking a little bit about your history? We talked before the cameras rolled about, you know, 21-year-old you, but, you know, tell us a little bit about the, the origin story, Rob, and what you're doing today. Okay, so on December the 15th, 2005, My dad had this massive nervous breakdown in his pub. He got beaten up by the police in front of all probably 70 customers in the pub. My my mum, my sister were out the front crying their eyes out as the police were kicking him and bundling him down. And I just stood there frozen watching. And um, my dad had raised me to be entrepreneurial. He always used to challenge me to do stuff. He got me working in his pub at age six, which is probably illegal now. But I could um, empty the the pool tables, the fruit machines, count all the money and bag it up real quick. I could do the till. And actually, you know, we would have customers and I'd do the till. And I could replenish all the bottles on the shelves from the night before. And I could do all that. And dad would pay me a pound a week. Um, And he'd take me everywhere with him. He's buying pubs and hotels and bars and clubs. And he'd take me with him. I'm like, oh. Dad, I want to be like you. Do you remember back in the day, money was really big? You know, in the £10 notes yeah, were that big. Remember, yeah. And of course, when you're a kid, it's even bigger. 
So like a 10 pound note is like that. And he used to have a wad of it in his pocket and he folded it up and he'd always have the, the queen's head on the right side. It'd be symmetrical, he'd put it in his you know, back pocket. And just, I just like wanted to be dad. Um, uh, but probably in my teens, I kind of got lost school system, chasing girls, drinking, uni, but not really knowing what I want to do with my life. And then I came back from uni and mum had called me up saying, look, come and work in the pub for a few weeks. Dad, I don't know what's up with dad, but he's not very well. And, and, and I was nearly 26 and I was still stuck in this, working in a pub, not doing what I wanted to do with a degree I had no interest in. I was cocky, complacent, arrogant, hurt, bitter, felt like the world was, dealt me a bad hand. You're a successful entrepreneur. You're, you're freaking lucky. You drive a nice car. You're greedy and you probably do drugs and sell them. And I was all bitter and twisted up inside. Um, and then when this happened with my dad, it was like everything I'd ever learned from six to 12 years old, all of a sudden came back to me and everything in my life that I'd disowned, dishonored, let go and, and not done from sort of teens to 25 was staring me in the face. And it wasn't like I had one of those moments where it's like, da, 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 Old Spice music, lights come down, everything turns off, you're in the spotlight and you have this, this was the changing moment. But I had about a week or two of beating the shit out of myself, hating myself. You know, my dad put me through school, through university, paid for university, paid for my accommodation, bought my first car, bought my first house. Um, and I felt like I'd failed him. And I felt like everything he taught me, I'd thrown back in his face. He, he always worked so hard to look after me, my sister and my mum. And I felt fucking responsible. And a lot of people have said to me since, look, Rob, you know, that's, it wasn't your fault, but that's how I saw it. So I decided to do something with my life. I didn't know what. I, I knew nothing about property. I knew nothing about social media or business or podcasting or writing books or anything like that. But I just made a decision that something would change. And it's funny, Simon, You'll know this because you're an entrepreneur yourself. As soon as you make a decision, bang, opportunities are thrown at you. And we had we had a serendipitous moment in our meeting room there because we've just made a decision to change the direction of my brand. And it's a big decision. We're going to focus my content on money-related content because in six years of building the disruptive entrepreneur brand, we just feel like the money-related content is a bit more a niche, tangible. It's stronger. Um, it's the most viral content we do by a mile. And I got a call from my PR company. She's like, oh, Martin Lewis is on holiday. Do you want to take his column? The moment I decided to do money-related content, I mean, Martin Lewis is big, big deal. And um, we've got, I've got that column. It was like, in fact, she was messaging me before we had the brand meeting. So um, something like that happened to me in that week or two. And basically, my, I, I've been doing some art on the side and a gallery owner had been saying to me for years, you should get into property, Rob, you should get into property. My dad had been saying, you should get into property. These flats they're building, they're 20 grand, you should get one. They're now 30 grand, they're now 50 grand, they're now fucking 200 grand, you know, but I, no, I can't afford it. I'm uh, fucking properties for yuppies, which actually meant I'm wounded and I don't know how to do it. So I, I went to Mike, this guy who hung, hung my work and I said, Tell me about this property event then. And I went, and the last guy I met networking was Mark Homer, who's my business partner today. And we own 1,200 properties together. Well, we own, co-own, and manage in three companies. We made tens, hundreds of millions from real estate. After meeting him now, after making a decision just a few days later, there's a whole load of stuff in the middle, but I don't want to reel out a list of accomplishments because it doesn't feel appropriate. But 
Um, that's my, what you might call origin story. And um, my dad's fucking ill at the moment. It's, it's really hard if anyone knows family members with mental illness. He's, he got, it's quite funny. He just got a life ban from Sainsbury's because he goes oh in there, he yanks his trousers up to here and he tells them all to fuck off and he tries to nick stuff. And you've you got to see the funny side of it. Somehow, that, yeah. is a, that is like, what did your dad do this week? He got a lifetime ban from Sainsbury's. Yeah. But it's hard at the moment. But um, I just wanted to make him proud. Hmm. Um, I remember when I bought him a house, no, no mortgage, no rent for him. I remember buy, buying him a car, taking up, I learned to fly the helicopter when I made a bit of money and taking him up in that. And that felt really good. Hmm. Interviewing, interviewing you is so easy, Bob, <laughs> yeah. because honestly, you know, you, you can explain the story like no one else can. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I like the fact you kind of own your situation with your family as well, because I think... You know, I, I have a very difficult relationship with my mother too. My mother is, is racist, you know, and I'm married to a Chinese person. And and, you know, wow. and, and, and it's um, funny you know, what the universe does to you, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, ironically, yes. I mean, there's it, a reason. It, there's, there's a, a reason. There's a that. reason. It's almost like a test, isn't it, yeah. as well, of your own yes. ability to make a decision, mm. right? Um, I, when I listen to your story, a couple of things that jump out to me. First of all, I think you've just given one of your listeners an idea for a business. Someone should do a meme around the size of money. It's gone from like this this, 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 this to like nothing. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, yeah. In crypto, right? So someone should do a little like the evolution of man going up. Yeah, yeah. You, not, I haven't money. seen any, a meme around the evolution of money. Yeah. I've seen the evolution of the, of the, of the office desk, you know, yeah. where you had the Mac with all these computers and it's gone down into your phone. But yeah. I haven't seen anyone do it with money. So you, yeah. if someone's listening and want a business <laughs> idea, there you go. Make memes around the Yeah, like the, the size money. of the 5P now. Yeah. Compared to the old, te the old 10Ps were like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's 12 inches, isn't it? Right, <laughs> Wouldn't know. Wouldn't know. Look small. I think the, um, I think the, but it's, uh, it, it, the other thing that struck me about your conversation, your, your story is, um, you know, in the early days, you had what I would describe as the, you know, typical going to be an entrepreneur story, all, all that activity, all that, that, that vibe of entrepreneurship in your life, with your parents. Was your mother an entrepreneur? No. Um, but she makes a good partner to an entrepreneur. My dad's the one with the crazy ideas, mm. taking us to different cities. My my dad could, like, I've never met anyone who could turn around a pub like my dad. He would go in the roughest, divest, like, pub where people knife each other, and he'd go in there, buy it for nothing, turn it around, kick them all out, bar them all, beat them all up, get an Alsatian, get the dog to buy them all, and then put a nice car in a restaurant mm. in there. And my mum's the perfect foil to someone like that, but not, like that. that that's another interesting point because um you know I, i've interviewed 130 entrepreneurs over the last year wow and 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 i'm seeing some trends come through um each of these successful people each have a different way that they got there but there's some common things and one of them is the people in their lives and how mm. they've affected them and so it's that you know this old story isn't it twins have a father who's a drunk and one grows up and is a failure and one grows up as a success and when they're interviewed why you're a success and failure they both say the same my mm. father was a drunk Mm. You know, in other words, that they can what both meaning? blame. Meaning, what meaning what, do you put on it? Yeah, so mm. your decision, I'm not going to be like that, and you become successful. Mm. Oh, that's my life. That's my lot. I was un unlucky. I had a father who was a drunk, mm. and therefore this is why my life has turned out shit. Mm. It's to do with perspective on how you viewed that that thing in your life, right? Mm. But one of the things I've noticed is is people's partners, and, and in particular in their relationship, you know. Um, and, and, I, and I think that that person supports you or doesn't support you is critical. And having that, op not opposite, but definitely someone that can appreciate your craziness mm. uh, and, and almost love that craziness mm. and, and not stifle it. Mm. So um, 
you know, I, I guess you know in your your journey. What, you, you, so you started the prop. Did you buy property straight away? Was it, yeah, was it like you, you yeah, went to that much. event, you bought a property, and 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 was it like instant? This is it, success, or what? What were the first kind of things you noticed about that process? Because again, people listening, I feel like a lot of people would love to start, but or maybe they have started, but they're not making it. That's a lot of my audience, anyway. I mean, they, they're almost there. They're, what? What do you think made it all work? Um. Hmm. So no, I didn't get instant success, but I suppose if you measure it by if I'd have had a fairly normal job you would regard it as instant success because December the 15th, 2005, my dad had his big nervous breakdown by the end of 2005. So about a week later, I went to this property networking event, met Mark. I was 50 grand in credit card consumer debt then, not including the mortgage because I see that as good debt. And I know you've got a view on all uh, debt. So let's go, there, yeah, let's go there. Yeah, let's go there. Yeah, I saw that and I thought, yeah, we're talking about we're talking about when debt is good or bad, and and I have a thing that debt is never good, but 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 I'm not always nothing, right. Nothing, I'm definitely not always right, and, and we can and talk about it. No, nothing has all upside or downside. No, nothing. exactly. There's so, there's risk both ways. Yeah. No debt, there's risk. Uh, yeah, uh, loss of opportunity, for example. Yeah. But 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 debt taking. I have a family history of taking on a lot of debt. Not me. Yeah. But my family, uh, ironically, around property. Um, but it was a different time and a different story. We'll, well get into it. Yeah, later. we'll but talk care, about that. Carry on with your, your point. So. Um, I can't remember what the point no, was. No, that's why I said point. <laughs> hey, I yeah. can't remember either. Well, oh, yeah, my journey and how quick it was. So December the 15th, my dad's nervous breakdown. End of December, met my business partner. I was about 50 grand in debt. Then um, fast forward a year, I'd got rid of all my debt, so about 50 grand. How did you do that? Um, so I worked sourcing properties in a property sourcing company that Mark helped me get the job in because he was already working there. And he said, this guy's got something about him. We need to give him a go. So I was selling property deals, making 500 commission per deal and a bit of um, basic salary, not a huge amount. But I cleared all my debt. Um, I refinanced one house, actually, um, my only house that I lived in and cleared that and the earnings cleared debt. And I made, I didn't quite make, but nearly made 100 grand in that year. And then I became a millionaire just before the age of 31, which pissed me off because I wanted to say I was a millionaire in my 20s. Because if you're 29.9 recurring, you're still a millionaire in your 20s. But I hit it before age 31, you know, net worth millionaire, your assets minus your liabilities are a million or more. Um, so that's how quick it happened. That was probably three years, three or four years, maybe that, that journey, give or take. So it depends how you look at it. It's not overnight success, but I don't think not that bad. really exists. Three, three or four years going from 50 grand in debt to being on paper millionaire. Yeah. That, that's pretty amazing. Do, do you feel along the way um, that you felt fear? What was, was there, you know, looking back now, was there moments where you, you, know, you didn't want to take the risk or that you, you almost didn't take the risk. A couple of key decisions clearly probably got you where you got, but was, was there a key moments where you didn't make it almost? So we talked about risk before we started, and I think this is a big subject. So um, in my 20s, the fortunate position of maxing all your credit cards out and having your dad have his nervous breakdown and get beaten up by the police in front of you is you've got nothing to lose. I had no dependents, no kids, no wife. I had no mortgage or anything like that. So I had nothing to lose. And so I went in with, well, I might as well try it. Because we were just talking before. I'm 42 now. How old are you? 46. So we've got a lot to lose now. Mm. You know, two kids. I've got wife. I've got lots of real estate. I've got a personal brand, a reputation. Mm. You know, if I, if I went bust now, I, that, that's a, you know, there's, that's gonna, that's, there's a big cost. I'm, I'm losing tens if not hundreds of millions of pounds my brand my reputation mm -hmm. everything mm -hmm. so 
there's a lot to lose now. There was nothing really to lose back then. But almost you've got to get your mind in that state of not being scared of what you've got to lose. So I didn't really fear because I didn't really have anything to lose. The only things I feared were what people thought about me because that's the kind of person I am because I was a really overweight kid and I, I was always very concerned about what people thought about me because I didn't get enough recognition because I was the fattest kid in my year. So I always had this people-pleasing, non-conflict kind of pull. So I would always be scared around that. You know, what if Simon doesn't like me or do a public speech? You know, what if they don't like it or what if they criticise me? But it wasn't like this. It was like pain. Mm. And it's taken a lot of personal development and a lot of business experience to almost harden that in me. But I've been thinking a lot recently because of various things going on in the world, in COVID, in my business, in life, in the people I meet. Fear is necessary for human evolution because if we didn't have fear, we'd be dead and we need it to survive. But it also ruins your life because if you don't embrace the things you're scared about, you don't ever move on the other side of the comfort of your life right now. So we've got this weird paradox where our survival part of our brain, whatever we call it, whatever part cortex or, you know, the, that primal part of the brain, it has to warn you of threat. So you need it. But what happens is you fear what you think about me, if they're criticizing me, if the Internet's working properly, you know, what they say about me on social media, what they might think of me if I swear or rant. There's just a million of these fears. You fear losing things that you value. So I, I, I have a lot of cars, Lamborghinis, Ferrari, Ariel Atom, Panamera Turbos, yada, yada, yada. And at one point I thought, these cars are maybe owning me more than I own the cars. And in the lockdown, I said to myself, I'll sell the fucking lot if I need to. I didn't. And I've got them all. And the, the Testarossa, I've got a Testarossa and that's done well. But like, as soon as I start to fear losing something, I have to manage that because then it controls you. As soon as you start to fear to lose your wife or, you know, you start to fear lose your business, you make, oh, I better not do that in case I lose it decisions, which is the opposite of being a disruptive risk-taking entrepreneur. But it's a paradox. It's so complicated. But really, if you want to liberate yourself and live a meaningful life, you should be scared about the things that would really, really hurt you physically, emotionally, mentally. Everything else is an illusion and you have to get rid of that illusion because otherwise it owns you. I can't remember the question, but... No, uh, we're talking about fear. And anybody listening, um, if you've got a fear, chuck it in the comments. I'd love to hear your fears. And I, and I, and I would question... Uh, commenting on social media is one of them. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Go for it. And if you don't like us, comment that too. I don't mind. I think the fear uh, side of it is really interesting because I, my, my take on it is, um, you know, fear was originally designed as a superpower for us. So, so what would happen is there'd be a lion would come towards us. We'd feel fear. It almost gives us like superhuman powers. Yeah, it, does. it powers yeah. us up. Like we've got yeah. to get through this. I've got to, I've got to run faster, think differently. I've got to yeah. survive, right? Well, it actually helps you run it faster. Helps, it helps you think. do yeah, things yeah. That, that, that you couldn't do otherwise, yeah. right? So fear is like a, a power up. Yeah. That's, that's my, my theory. And, 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 and what's happened in the modern world, and, and, and again, for people listening, I think what's happened is we've got confused now what fear is. Fear, when we feel it, our instinct is to stop the fear. Because it's painful. Yeah, well, like, oh my God. Hurts. And you can stop it now. You can. It's like you can overeat now. I mean, there was a the time mm. when you couldn't overeat, right? Mm. Now, now you can also, you can switch off fear just like that. Because you feel, if someone says, hey, uh, and I remember I, I was about 23 when I was first asked to do a public 
speaking event. My instinct was to say no mm. because I was, oh, I don't, you know, I had sweaty palms. Oh, I'm going to have to stand on stage and mm. do this. But I said yes. Don't know why. So glad I did because at the other end of fear is joy, mm. right? Yeah. And and you go and do it. And that moment where I'm fearful, that actually made me prep. That made me think mm. hard about what I was going to do when I was on stage. That made me get ready for that moment, right? And if I hadn't had fear. And you see it, well, I see it all the time. People that I don't have fear for interviews, for example, I say they come, they're not prepared. No. They don't care. They come in, they don't care. You, go, yeah. you don't feel the energy. Yeah. You know? and, and people don't mind the feeling of fear because it can also show uh, hunger, right? It mm. can show that you care about something, right? So it's... Uh, a lot of people haven't trained their mind to see fear that way mm. because it's fucking painful. No, of course it is. It so is. It, it, it hurts, so you want to move away from it mm. because that's what it's designed to do, mm. to protect you. But in the modern world, it doesn't protect you because the fears are out of context. It neuters you yeah. in the modern world. That's what I think it does. Yeah, not, I've it, never really thought of a description like that, but yeah, my balls just went yeah, like that on me. <laughs> it does, it does. Because like you're saying, if you've got a partner that, you know, you're, you're, you're scared to be yourself because you're scared they might leave you, then let them Then they'll leave probably you. leave you anyway they'll because leave you you'll be a shadow exactly. of your former self. Exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm with my partner 21 years, and I think part of it is because we both are basically who we are, mm. you know, like... We don't pretend to be anything. And she's tried to change me, no, no doubt about it. Yeah. Tried, tried to make me less messy. Yeah. You know, like, but in the end, I, I am. And I think, I think that's for people listening is, you know, you've got to just, I think, enjoy fit. That's mm. the way, I mean, I think I do. You said something really interesting there as well about your cars. And by the way, anyone listening on my channel that wants to see all Rob's cars, they are amazing. Um, and, and you can click the link below in my, my broadcast. You, you'll get through to Rob's channels and Rob's stuff. But anyone listening on Rob's channel, you already know all these amazing cars. But I think, um, you know, how do you train your mind to enjoy fear? Let those cars all go. In your mind, you did that. So what? Doesn't matter. Yeah. Right? They're gone. Mm. So what? I had fun with them. They were there. Now they're not. That doesn't mm. matter, does it? No. I think what really changes things, and I know a lot of my listeners have this problem, is when you have kids. I think that's one thing that we don't – it's hard to explain it, and I don't want to blame my son uh, for, for my, my, my new type of fear, but I never want him to be homeless you know, like I could sleep, I could live on a sofa and so could my wife, you know, like we could both survive. But you know, the best way to train your son to not be homeless is to let him experience homelessness for a few days. Well, it's interesting you say that. <laughs> yeah. So, so I was recently asked by Channel 5 to go on their show, show Rich uh, House, Poor House. Have you seen this? Yeah. yeah. And it was a whole thing where you, you switch, switch yeah. lives with, with, with people. And uh, but I, you know, I, I think that there's also an instinct in us to and a lot of people don't start a business of their dreams or take a risk to invest in something. And the number one excuse I hear is, you know, I've got a family to feed and I've got a mortgage to pay. Right. And that's why I don't like debt when they yeah. can't take risk when they get themselves set in a situation where they can't. They think. And I, to your point, I think I think this, if my son sees that I'm enjoying what I do every day, he's a happier person. If I pull up in a Ferrari, he's neither here nor there. Mm. He's not. Re he doesn't really care about that. He mm. cares whether or not I am there for him, right? Yeah. But a lot of people don't see that. Mm. So how do how do you think people can overcome that? How, how did you must have had that too in your life? Now you've got two kids, right? You, how do you overcome that? You're still pushing it. Look at this place you've built here. You're still pushing it. How? Um. So one of the reasons I'm still pushing is because I have a mission to help as many people on this planet start and scale their business and get better financial knowledge. And I'm 42. I've been doing it 15 years and I've only just started. Um, so I believe when you're very clear on your mission, then you will live an inspired life and you can gain the greatest sense of fulfillment. I also believe that self-worth is linked to the value that you offer to the world. And so the greater value you offer, the greater your self-worth is. And I think being a useful and valuable person to society will give you lots of benefits, 
you know, I think all the problems in life come from when you become selfish. So I think that, for example, when you're in pain, you're a very selfish person because you're just trying to get rid of your own pain. Whereas you're helping a lot of other people. You can't be in pain and help other people. And in fact, one of the best cures of your own pain is to help other people. And when you experience joy through others, it immediately takes your own pain away. So um, having an inspired mission and vision of which you are clear on, and you can articulate in a few words like I just said. I mean, you've got a similar one. That's probably why we're attracted mm. to each other, because it's it's very similar that um, that keeps the fire burning. It keeps you doing what you're doing. Like you're going to have problems and challenges anyway. So there's a saying, new level, new devil. And one of my mentors says that your reward for um, solving a problem is a bigger one. And these I have found to be true. But, you know, the chimp mind, if we call it, give it a name, what we, we have for this fantasy that, oh, fix that problem and everything will be fine. Do this and everything will be great. No, you do this and that will be great. And then that problem will exist. You know, when you grow a business. So I thought naively, because I went into fantasy mode after lockdown, when we've got Freedom Day, everything will be great. After Freedom Day, everyone started getting pinged. My staff are off because they're all getting pinged. I'm thinking, finally, now we can go and take over the world. And it's August and all of our staff have got their holiday booked, except we've had 18 fucking months of it. So it's just like, oh, what's your reward for getting past that day and that problem? Another one, another one, another one. So for me, success is going from problem to problem to problem to problem with no loss of passion and enthusiasm and drive. And the longer you can do that, the more successful you'll become. And some people say, but Rob, that's just so negative. It's not negative. It's real. Because to pretend that everything is all right by being positive or to have a naive one-sided fantasy that, you know, once you solve a problem, then life will be better. That actually creates more pain because you've, Pain is the biggest gap between perception and reality. So, you know, like going on holiday, we all get excited about it. Often holidays are shit, but they're not that shit. It's just we expected them to save ourselves and change our lives. And we expected to not have to wait and the weather to be amazing, whatever else. I went down to Cornwall two weeks ago and there's no fucking internet in Cornwall. And the food is just Cornish pasties or fish and chips. It, It was fucking rained all week. The beaches were about minus 25. It was not a great holiday. I was hoping you'd get this sponsored by the Cornish <laughs> yeah. tourism board. Now we're in trouble. That's the end of that. So I don't even remember what the question was, but you need to create an inspired mission where you're inspired by the challenges as well as the upsides and the wins. You know, I interviewed a billionaireess. Well, she does a billion a year in sales, and she's got this brilliant phrase, and she says, I eat problems for breakfast. I eat problems for breakfast. She's, Become a friend of mine, Lauren, and doesn't I just sound very tasty though, doesn't no, it? No, but it's but it's but if you if you get up and deal with all your problems before nine a.m. Yeah. I wish I knew them all. By 9 yeah, I don't. I don't true. know a lot of them until five. But yeah, yeah, I, that's true. And um, I know someone who spent a lot of time with Elon Musk, and he says, "I hang around with Elon Musk, and Elon Musk gets chucked hundreds of problems a day." And he goes, "Right, what's the problem? Define the problem." Okay, right, what are the solutions? Right, next, what's the problem? And he, yeah. he pulls out the problem in everything and then he creates it and he spends his whole life dealing with problems. That's why he's a freaking billionaire. So the more problems you solve with no loss of enthusiasm and passion, then you are a disruptive entrepreneur. Mm. But I can't remember the question. No, but you've got the brand name in there, which I like. <laughs> and, and we're changing it, aren't we? We're changing it to money. So how, what's, the, yeah. what's the new... Uh, what's this the is new hot thing? off the press. No one knows about okay, this. Okay, so we have an exclusive. I told you, folks, I told you we'd get some exclusive stuff. Yeah, so after six years of building the disruptor, Why do you have you trademarked it yet? Don't don't say it until you trademark. No, I, I, I'll I'll find a way to trademark it. I, you can't trademark what I'm about to say anyway. But 
Um, after six years of building the disruptive entrepreneur brand, I'm now going to focus my brand on money-related content. And here's why. Money is more of a clear niche. All my money-related content tends to get the best results. My money book was my best-selling book. It's a space no one really owns. It's more of an outcome. Like you learning about money is what, what, what do you get by learning about being a disruptive entrepreneur? I don't know. So, um, yeah, we've just, we just, I mean, we've, I've been thinking about it for months because I've been at a brand crossroads. Um, I, think, I think it makes total sense. I mean, I, 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 owned, a branding niche. Age, I owned a branding agency oh, okay. for 15 years in China. Oh, so I should have got your advice. Well, no, I'm t- I'll give it to you free Disruptive. right now on it. Go on then. It works, mate. Sounds Does good it? to me. I think, I think, space, I think the, the, the thing about it is, is it more, more of a tight, clear niche. Well, it's, it's funny because I was talking to my team about, about you and the disruptive entrepreneur and disruptive is a great word but but sometimes um i think actually what i think but it's not an outcome is it well it, it's not it, you it, don't get something it's, it's an emotion it. which is good yeah. but i think it's also it's not tangible for people, no it's not right so what does disruption mean for you versus yeah. me versus the listener right yeah and i think i think what's really interesting is something you were just talking about earlier with um like money is is such a the, the thing about, uh, I've been poor, very poor. I was homeless for five days when I was wow. 15 years old, kicked out of home by my mother. My father had just died. I mean, I've been dirt poor like nothing. And and um, still had, you know, white privilege and still had an education zero to 15. So I still, you know, born in the right country. I still had privilege. But, you know, literally nothing at 15 and, and worked my way up to, you know, retired at 40, never need to work again in my life. But what's interesting is when you get to a point where you've got money and you tell people something, you tell people, no, these are the things I know. They say, well, it's okay, you can say that, you've got money, right? And I can honestly say that, you know, what you were saying earlier about take it all away, that the money side is, a people think they're going to be happy when they've got money. So what you were saying earlier, once it's problem solved, Mo money, then, then mo problems. What was that? Mo money, mo problems. No. So what, once, once I've solved this problem, yeah. you were saying earlier, once I've solved this problem, I'll be happy. Once yeah. I've solved that problem, I'll be happy. No. And the number one problem I hear people say if they could solve, they'd be happy is money. Yeah. Right? And the irony is you will solve your money problem if you act like you've got money. Yeah. You know, like you're at, you, I was. It's I, who you become making the money. Totally. It's yeah. the, and it's the journey. Yeah. This is actually. And what I, you learn. I've been playing around with crypto, you know, which yeah. I'm sure if you're going to get into money, you're going to talk about crypto. But, you know, I've gone, I've got a friend who's a professor and uh, during the day and a crypto in, investor at night, and he's been showing me how it all works. I was very negative about crypto. I am quite negative about crypto. But now I've got to understand it. I can see some benefits in it. And what, I think the opportunity for people listening is, you know, you can make money for nothing from nothing if you apply yourself to learning something. But if you think you need money before you can learn something, right? If you don't appreciate the journey, exactly what you're kind of saying. People don't appreciate the journey. They think they just want the money, right? They want the money. But the mm. money, if they just get it and they're not happy, they'll be even more unhappy. Yeah. If they're happy when they get the money, definitely money can make can add mm-hmm. can add value. Money definitely. tends to exaggerate your traits. Exactly. Money will make you more of what you already are. So how you made the money is important, isn't it? Yeah, how you make the money and what you learn making the money. Like probably the biggest curse you could give to someone who already can't manage their money is giving them a load of money. Mm. I mean, we've all heard the stories of the people who win the lottery and they're broke within three or four or five years. I never understand how it's even possible when that happens. Because it's, it's actually a really simple concept. It is they cannot manage money already, so you give them more money and it exaggerates their existing traits of can't manage more money. It's, it's simply, you know, I remember there was a local... Um, guy here who won a few million quid and he bought quad bikes for him and his mates and he went out getting pissed all the time because that's what he used to do and and he squandered it all within a few years. So I want to address one of your points. 
you do not need money to make money. It's one not. You know, people say you need money to make money. It's yeah. almost like a quote. It's the biggest fucking lie out there because money is ethereal. It's an idea and a concept of universal exchange of value. And it comes to you when you value it, when you create a product and a service and a solution that people will exchange money for it. And you create a fair exchange environment where you make a fair profit and I get fair value. And then, and, and then it's manifested in. If you had a billion dollar idea and you knew how to reach people who've got billions of dollars, you're going to make a billion dollars. But what makes the billion dollars is the idea your volition of selling it, your persistence and grit and resilience and relentlessness to take a load of freaking nose and to, you know, live on ramen for a few months or a few years or whatever. But it's creativity, resourcefulness, the ability to solve problems, the ability to pitch and capture someone's imagination and find a niche and solve a need. And all of these are human traits. Humans are born resourceful. You are resourceful as a baby. You are creative as a baby. You are ingenious and in, intuitive. And in, you, these people talk about these traits like you learn them at business school. No, the traits you need to make money, the traits are born within you. You are born with the gift to make money. The skills you learn are just the icing on the cake. Like if I had a gun to your head and I Skyped a gun to your son's head, you got five days to raise a hundred million. Otherwise, it's done. It's done. All right, maybe to your mum said it might be five. <laughs> a whole new reality show. Yeah. Another startup idea for you guys. Yeah. There, that is actually. But I'm just thinking whether I could do that. I'm just thinking you could I do that. You you do all your contacts. You'd you'd speak to your contacts through your contacts. You see, what's through your interesting contacts. about that analogy? You, you would not worry about risk. You would not worry about getting rejection. You just keep going. You'd take a load more rejection. You'd get up earlier, stay later. You do what do you, do you know done. the one thing you, that is a really interesting analogy, and the one thing I'd like to add to it because it's actually genius is uh, although I, hopefully that never happens that scenario, but I love I love the concept of the, the what what motivates you. And do you know what? So my my whole thing is purpose, right? So as you're saying that to me, what's going on in my head? And I hope everyone listening is going. What would you do with Rob's scenario like that? You know, what, how would you make a hundred million? And actually, what went through my mind is I have a purpose. You know, like, and the story, I can tell that story to someone else. I could ring up one of my billionaire friends in Hong Kong and I can say, listen, this is why I need 100 million, you know, and, and I reckon they'd step up because they understand the situation. Now, okay, you've got an extreme situation there, mm. but I think it relates to what I tell people every day, which is purpose will drive you, yeah. you know, and if you've got purpose, then no, in that case, it's to make sure my family survive, mm. you know, then, then, then you can really make anything happen, right? Yeah. And so, um, I do think it's a good reality to do. I'm, I'm pitching a series to Netflix at the moment. I might add that in as yeah. my idea. So although anyone listening now knows well, it's, isn't it's there, your isn't, idea. So isn't there a show it. where people show their genitals on like a, like a sort of dating show? Well, I don't know, mate. Channel 5? <laughs> Never watched it. Never watched it. Yeah. No, so that's, that's, that's what, what's that got to do with this? Well, just you, you give a plug it's for not like, that strange naked, a concept. Naked, naked, naked no, I, attraction. Yeah. It's, it's just the way my brain works. Are we plugging? Anyway, ask me something else. Are you going on this show <laughs> or something? You know, like, yeah, totally, uh, totally off track. But I like it. I think there's, um, I guess, do you think entrepreneurs are born or bred then? Um, I think certain traits, character traits, which lend themselves well to entrepreneurial qualities like taking risk, et cetera, 
um, creativity, boldness. I think certain character traits are born. And I'd never used to think this. So I used to think, basically, what you generally think is a, a mirror of what you believe about yourself. So when I thought I was unlucky and hard done by, I just thought, well, you're fucking lucky because you were born rich or born an entrepreneur. I wasn't. I was unlucky. I used to think that. And then I read all the books like everyone else did, like Malcolm Gladwell and um, Matthew Syed wrote um, Bounce. And there were these books on studying the 10,000-hour rule and how someone could pretty much learn to be very accomplished at anything. And then I was like, oh, but everything's learned, everything. But then when my kids were born, within the first few weeks, maybe months, but too early for us to have impressioned them as parents or the environment, it was clear that if there was an atom or a nucleus of all the character traits, they were virtually split equally between my son and my daughter. And you know, everyone says, oh, my kids are so different. There is a biological reason for that. I won't go into it now, but humanity would not survive if you had... Everyone was the same. Exactly, course, yeah, because yeah, like my son's quite risk-averse, quite paranoid. It makes him very careful, considered and measured. By the way, that makes him eventually the best risk-takers. It, it, yeah. Actually. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you can start out, that can, that can seem like he's not uh, a risk-taker. Actually, what it means is a different type of risk-taker. Yeah. Every, everybody's evaluate a risk the risk. Yeah. Actually, yeah. everyone's an entrepreneur. There's, there's just eight different types of entrepreneurs. I, that's yeah. my belief, right? I believe every, everyone's, no one's born a doctor. Yeah. No one's born a no, lawyer. Exactly. There's 50 different types of doctors. Yeah. There's actually 50 different types of lawyers, depending yeah. on your, you know, your moral code. Yeah. You know, and they're, they're all on holiday in August. All on holiday in August. <laughs> exactly. They're all doing all right. Uh, but, you know, but, but, yeah. yes, but no, true. I mean, there's a, definitely a biological reason yeah. why they're different. But it, so I would say both. Uh, I know it's a cop out answer. But I would say certain traits are born within you, which lean you more mm. towards being an entrepreneur. But mm. if you're put in an environment where you're not shown entrepreneurship or taught entrepreneurship and you're indoctrinated that you be a, a lawyer, that's the road you'll go down. So environment has... Which is what happened to me, by the way. Yeah. I, if you asked me at 14 years old what I'm going to be, I, I would have said a lawyer. I mean, how, why would I want to be a lawyer? Because I your mean, environment. Your exactly. My, your parents environment. Felt, my parents felt that was the safe bet. Which is they, bread, and they, and they, not they, born. Right. And they wanted... They wanted it's also, also for them. It's mm. also for yeah. an image that some people have to watch out for, right? A lot of people will suggest you do something based on what they want yes. to be associated mm -hmm. with, right? So um, do, do you think the, the, um, if you started it all over again, would you do the same thing? Um, well, look, I've done all right. So entrepreneurs, well, I can only speak for myself, but I speak to a lot of people like this. We're not very good at smelling the roses. Mm. We're not very good at going, yeah, I broke two public speaking world records. I wrote 18 books. Like, I'm always just thinking, oh, I wrote 18 books, but I should have written 50. And my friend Mark Victor Hansen's written hundreds. And it's just like, so... Um, I, there's a compulsion within me to say I would have liked to have done it better, faster, bigger. There's a compulsion within me to say that. But I've had a good innings and I ain't finished yet. Just mm. warming you're, you're up a couple 42. of defensives. Yeah, exactly. And um, I'll tell you what I'd do differently. I'd hire quicker because – and I'd, I'd take a view on hard work differently because all I knew was – grit and grind and hard work it was what my dad i saw my dad do it working from you know 6 a.m to 2 p.m six days a week i saw hard work and the only way i knew to do well at something was hard work mm. 
And now we're seeing the consequence of people who haven't had sleep and mental health issues and stuff around hard work. It's far better to do two or three smart hours work a day than it is 10 hard hours. Why work. is that such a hard message to make people realise? And I blame Instagram because it's like the harder you work, right, the luckier you that, get. Though. I know, but I mean, these days I think it's like... It takes 10 years to be an overnight success was what people like Steve Jobs mm. said. But ironically, those things are also true. You yeah. know, like it took me 15 years you, you did it quite quickly, three or four years. I'm 15, I was 32 when I first became a paper millionaire. 15, 16 years, you know, like, yeah. and so it's, it's not an overnight success. No. But I think, I think it's, um, sometimes it's also defining what success is, isn't it? I mean, that's the other, it, sometimes it's not about becoming a millionaire, isn't it? Uh, by the way, everybody listening, can you just take a moment and smell the roses? I really like that. I think we should all just take a moment. I don't want the live to look like it's frozen or something, but take a moment, smell the roses. I think that's really true. I, I, think, I don't know. I don't care what part of life you come from. No one does that enough. No one does that. I bet Bill Gates right now is complaining about something. You know, mm. like you know, he's, he's, he's changed the world and influenced things in so many ways. And you know, yes, he's going for a divorce at the moment, having a hard time. But I bet he's not smelling the roses. You know, no. and, and actually, we do need to do that more. Yeah, we do. And I, I think you could you could change that as your new like you know, um, Money. Rob Moore smell, smell the, the roses. It's <laughs> not quite the right message. No, is it? <laughs> You can tell you're going to have a funeral home. Yeah. Yeah. But I think entrepreneurship is about shooting for something outside of your immediate experience or comfort zone and trying to change the world in some way. And then having checkpoints where you appreciate yourself and what you've done and then going again and Mm. then going again. Because some people say to me, oh, Rob, but when does it ever end? Or, you know, so how much, would you ever want it to end? Well, exactly. This is, but people say that because they're looking for a fantasy outcome whereby, oh, when I make my 10 million quid, then it'll all end. Because it's mm. the, the pressure of the, um, you know, the hamster wheel of it all. But if you've got purpose and passion, why would it feel like a hamster wheel? My, my friend Neville Wright sold Kitty Care for 75 million pounds and he said, Pretty, within a few hours, it felt like the worst day of his life. He felt like I made the worst decision. He had 75 million quid. Well, split, but he had 75 million quid in the bank. So um, the message really, I think, has come out of this two or three times is be careful of the fantasies you create. Mm. And Because if you think about a goal, a goal is a fantasy. Yeah, I'm going to make 10 million pounds. Well, that's a fantasy because actually, do you know the, do you know the cost of making 10 million pounds? I've had trolls, stalkers. I've had stalker uh, i've had haters uh, my uh, my insurance is fucking crazy it costs so much money um i've had stuff stolen off me i know billionaires who've had their children kidnapped you know everyone judges you you know like i'm not like playing my violin but you know people have wanted there's, me only for my money and they want to use there's a price to pay yeah, there's yeah, a cost to everything not not not, not just money no there's a, there's a exactly. physical price to pay too yeah so reality is what do I want and what price am I prepared to pay? Mm. Now, if you said to me, hey, Rob, I've got this thing where you can have none of that pain, mm. but you earn 30 grand a year for the rest of your life with going the, your salary going up with inflation and you have to be told by someone you don't respect what to do and when to clock in and when to clock out and when you have your lunch and when you can uh, fuck that. Mm. I'll have all the risks. Mm. Mm. Fuck that. Mm. So I know what I know the costs I'm prepared to pay and the down, I'd much rather have all the shit I just said, the critics, the trolls, the judgment, the overhead. I mean, you know, sometimes our overhead is a million plus a month. And, you know, when, the lock, when you're locked down and you can't do your business, just in this training business, 
than sit in an uncomfortable chair, chair in a booth being told what to do by someone I don't admire for the rest of my fucking life. Fuck that. I did it for nine months, couldn't handle it, got fired. Did you really? Yeah. Yeah. I basically... Nine months is pretty good. I thought you were going to say nine hours. Yeah, I've had, I've had three... I've had two jobs and been fired three times. And, I, yeah, didn't last very long. Yeah. So... Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's always a cost. What's your, what cost are you prepared to pay? Now, a, a lot of people spend years wanting to be an entrepreneur and doing nothing about it. So I would say to you, what have you got to lose to try it? it don't they say it's better to re regret something you have done than something you haven't? Try it for two or three years. The worst that will happen is you'll go back and get a job just like before and you'd have tried it and you, you'd have known it's not right for you. That's the worst that will happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, You're not going to die. You know, all right, some of your friends might, yeah, 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 look at you, back mm. in your job. Yeah, all right, yeah, I tried it. But what's the best that's going to happen? Mm. 100 million pound company or company that changes the world or, um, you know, I love having stuff. A lot of people, I don't want stuff. I love having a load of people that I think, you're paying your mortgage thanks to me and what I've done. We, you know, in, in the lockdown, we didn't really get rid of anyone. We kept paying for them. You know, we paid ourselves last. Mm. You know, the, rule, the golden rule of money is pay yourself first. Mm. Well, in the lockdown, to look after everyone, we paid ourselves last, and that felt good. I think I think there's a, there's so, so many uh, nuggets of uh, gold in all of that you've just described there, and I, I always want to translate it. Uh, I, I know a lot of my uh, audience, for example, like kids coming out of university that you know, like they, they they can't find a job, they dream of starting their own business, but it sounds like risk to them. Back to what we were saying earlier, and I think you know part of what you're saying, and I don't want people to miss it, is um, you know, you, you you statistically when you die. Uh, people have said the last thing people say is the thing they regret the things they didn't do. You know, asking that person out that they really liked, or asking that person they love not to marry them, and they regret the things they didn't do. Very few people regret having tried something and it failed, because at least you've ticked it. It's like the bucket list, mm. isn't it? You know, mm. like, and I and I say I say exactly the same as you to anyone listening. I say it again. You know. Like, you should try once to start a business of your own because at the very least, once you've tried it... Except and, everyone that works for me. Except including, <laughs> including definitely... Hey, get the fuck Anybody out. at Rob's company that wants to start a business, I will help you. Let me know. Get I will invest in you. I'm going to run a competition at Rob's company. Oh, I can't 5,000 for in anyone. Entrepreneurship. An entrepreneur. Anyone's in got a business idea, I'll give you 5,000 pounds to help you start it um, through a competition that Rob's going to co-sponsor. So we're going to do that. But um, but no, but seriously, I mean, at the end of the day... Do you know how much recruitment you know, fees are at the but, moment? But joking, but joking so. aside, you know, um, my nephew works here, right? So yeah. we just Entrepreneurship. Yeah, and, and he is from a family of entrepreneurs and is an entrepreneur and working here feels like an entrepreneur. Oh, that's great. Yeah. No, he that's does how work. I want people to feel. Yeah, but I still said to him at lunch that's today... A, and that's an entrepreneur. He should start his own property company and and, oh, and, I, and we'll call it really progressive property. You know, like... And you can think, really think, fuck off you're, about it. You're really, you're really <laughs> missing a trick there about the potential, you know. But um, but no, I mean, uh, coming back to... Like, if you, I know this is a cliche line in a in a in a you know an interview, but I, I do like this question. It's like if you went back to your younger self and gave some advice, what would it be? I mean, I, you've said earlier, which I really like. By the way, I don't want the audience to miss either. You said earlier about like recruit earlier. Actually, I really agree with that. Like people are so scared to hire someone. I actually think you're not truly an entrepreneur until you've hired mm. someone. You know, otherwise you're just like a freelancer. Yeah, you know, self-employed like, person. So you're actually working with someone often because it's just your salary you're covering. So mm. you're actually probably working for someone just you don't have the benefits. Yeah. So, you know, hire someone, then you're really an entrepreneur. But I think, that, you know, th those things are brilliant. But but is there anything that jumps to mind? You think, you know, if I went back to that younger, younger you, maybe the 12-year-old you, because that's an interesting mm. age for you. If you went back to that younger you, what would you, what would you do? Okay, so 
the 23, 24-year-old me, I would say, stop drinking because not drinking has definitely changed my life. Sound like a grandpa now, right, my university folks? Stop drinking. Stop all that fun. No, stop yeah. it after Just university. Come out of lockdown. Stop it all. Stop it after university. Um, I would say for my 23-year-old and 12-year-old self, don't be scared. I, I was scared to just even talk to people or show the real version of me in case that got rejected and I felt shame and embarrassment. I can even, someone can say something to me now and I can feel like that fat 11-year-old kid just like that again. The shame is just, so don't be scared. Uh, and um, there's so many things great about you that the world needs. So go and show the world who you really are. That would be probably the um, advice I'd give both of those. I, I would also figure out what, what do you love? What are you good at? What do you know more than other people know? And what problems could you solve doing that? Because your business lies somewhere within that. Um, but probably the biggest thing is don't be scared. That we create in our mind these walls of if I do this, these really bad things will happen. And we all know the that's cliche. The thing, that's the thing that separates us from every other animal, by the way, isn't it? That, that one ability to actually be able to predict what can happen. Mm. We're the only species that can do that. And that is, a, that is really bad. It's, yeah. it's, it's because, both amazing yeah. because it allows us to experience something without having to experience it. Mm. But it also means if your brain isn't trained right, your subconscious is very powerful, right? Your zero to seven years, whatever your parents said and did, mm. you know, that sticks in your subconscious, which is why I hate debt, by the way. It's in my subconscious. We're going to answer because, that one before yeah, you go. But, 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 but that's, that's very true what you're saying. Right? Well, they say, don't they, that 99% of the things you worry about never actually happen. Mm. And it is a massive curse for you to create a reverse fantasy of all these bad things that will happen without even trying them. Mm. And um, we've all had a situation where we've got really stuck. It could be in a business, in a, a marriage. It could be in a situation. And we've looked back two or three years later and gone, you know what? Why didn't I make that decision sooner? Mm. And the fear is nearly always worse, nearly always, 99% worse than the reality. Mm. So um, you need to be careful about not letting your brain play tricks on you in that. What about your 12 to like 26-year-old? It feels like there was a, oh, I'm going to call it a gap. Do you think university was worth it, for example? No, it's People a fucking waste. Now. No, it's waste a waste. Time. It was a waste. Um, Did you get into debt going to university? Yeah, big time debt. Right, that was with the big 50 time grand. Debt. Yeah, debt. well, with at least a third of that, maybe, um, you know, maybe more. So I need to caveat this. If it is your calling, not your mum's, yeah. but yours, to be a lawyer, getting a good degree at a good university and learning law that way, could be a good way of doing it. Although lawyers and doctors are all about to be replaced by machines. But anyway, okay, that's so, a separate so, I, know, I hear you. Yeah, what you mean. whatever traditional vocation is still Your relevant. Is a great point. Whatever you feel is right yeah. for you. Make sure it is you, though, right? Because sometimes you get Well, it's not. Yeah people, yeah, people are living themselves through you. We all do that. Um, however, if you want to be an entrepreneur, a business owner, like going to university is the worst thing ever. Um, compared to... I mean, let's give you some other options. And before I give you some other options, I did architecture at university. Never once in three years 
did A, I have a tutor that was a practicing architect. Wow. They were a tutor. Mm. So they were either a retired architect or a tutor. Mm. I mean, fucking think about that mm. for a minute. Mm. Number one. And number two. They never understand the business side of it at no. all. No. And no this is the number two. Yeah. They never taught you sales. They never taught you marketing, how mm. to acquire clients, how to, like, I remember doing presentations of my work and they said, oh, that wasn't a very good pitch. But they never taught you how to pitch. Mm. Imagine teaching us how to pitch our work as well as our work. Mm. Because, you know, if you're an architect, it's not just about the designing. So make people believe they never told us to, they never told us about sales and marketing and business and pitching. Well, it's almost a different, they said it as a different course. You go, well, you want to learn marketing. That's something over here. That was nothing to do with this discipline. Yeah, so, so no, if you want to be an entrepreneur, then no, it's no. And remember I said, look at some other options. Well, number one, let's say you get, I mean, in America, you can get $100,000 in debt going to university. Versus, and, and versus so let's say five years, 100,000 debt. Versus five years work, you've gone from 20 to 40 to 60 to 100 grand. Mm-hmm. Look at the, the trajectory of revenue, number one. Number two, that noose of debt around you, but what could be decades, how much is that going to cost you with interest and all, all that kind of stuff and opportunity cost of the money that you're paying on the debt that could be leveraged. Then number three, what about going and working for an entrepreneur? What about getting an apprenticeship in a business? Mm. So um, I'll tell you one thing I would do differently. Um, no, I did it, but I'd do it again, but I'd be more strategic about it. One of the best things I accidentally did after I met my business partner, Mark Homer, is I managed to get a job in a property company that was sourcing deals, but there was only three or four of us that were working and it was very entrepreneurial, i.e. no employment contract. There's a fucking load of leads. There's a phone. Go sell a load. Oh, you go and source the properties. You go and do all of that. And at times I thought, this guy's just treating us like he's little bitches. Mm. But sort of six months in, I I know all this stuff. Mm. So going to work for an entrepreneur, like write a letter to all the millionaires in your city and say, hey, I'll come work for you for three months for free if you just Mm. take me around. Mm. Someone, If someone wrote me that letter... I'm reading that letter, especially if they handwrite it. So you see, the funny thing is, the system. What do you think about that? By the way, I, first of all, I think it's genius, and I think everyone should do it. And my address is <laughs> yeah. uh, Belsize Park, London. <laughs> Let me know if you want to work for me free. I need so much help. I'm trying to help 10 million people start a business. That is not easy. <laughs> um, but but it actually is is true. And the funny funny thing is, people listening. This is what I reckon. People listening will think that that's a bad idea because they see it as risk. Why would I work somewhere for three months? I could get paid, blah, blah, blah. But they'll, they'll go into debt for 100000 or 50000 pounds, spend four years of their life. Time is more valuable than that money even, right? Do, learning one discipline that is actually probably not that useful the other side. That is not risk in people's minds. Mm. But what you just said mm. when they're listening will be risk, mm. which is those that realize the difference that I just said there – you will be a millionaire by 30 if you change your mindset right now. Mm. If you see that risk is... is you, unless you're 35. Yeah, unless you're 35, in which case, get into debt, yeah. basically. <laughs> get a mortgage as quickly as you can. But what, what you've talked about is reverse risk. Yeah. Uh, evaluating the risks of not doing it. Right. Opportunity right. cost. Right. People will have easily evaluate the risk of doing something, but they will not easily evaluate the risk of not doing something. Mm. It would have cost me hundreds of millions of pounds and so many of the great things in my life if I'd have done architecture after my degree. Right, and never learned sales. Mm. Sales, by the way, is one of the most underrated skills that you can learn on this planet. 
I don't understand. I, I, I remember Sales, marketing, public speaking. When I, when I moved to Hong Kong at 23 years old. I remember I went to an area called Lang Kwai Fong, very posh you know, bars and restaurants. I met this really gorgeous girl, and, and she said to me, what do you do? I said, I'm in sales. She turned around and walked away because she wanted to hear really? that I was a banker or wanted to hear that I was, you know, and I thought to myself. I, I, probably I, saved you a load of shit in your life. Got the best wife ever. Yeah. I've, got, I've got the best life ever. It happens for a reason. But the, my, what I'm saying again for people listening, I think you know, sales has become almost like a dirty word. I don't understand it. Again, this is the wrong mindset. I think it, it drives everything. It feeds everything. If you're good at sales, you can sell yourself in an yeah. interview. You your can idea. you can sell your product, your idea, your architectural design. Everything changes when you learn that skill. Hundred percent. Sales, marketing, and public speaking. They're the big three. Mm. Marketing generates the lead, sales converts the lead, and public speaking helps you communicate your vision to the world. Warren Buffett, he, he actually dedicates a much of his success to the Toastmasters, I think it was Toastmasters mm. um, or Carnegie, one of the two public speaking courses he did in his really early days. Look at uh, Obama. Probably you'd say he's maybe a greater orator than, than maybe a politician, for example. Look at Muhammad Ali. I mean, he was an orator. Mm. Um, Maya Angelou. Mm. You know, when you I'm be- trying to think of anyone successful that hasn't got that skill. No, and well, I don't. They learned it. No one had it because mm. no one's born a public speaker. They learned no it. Steve anything. Jobs. No Steve Jobs and his famous speeches, and then Tim Cook's taken that on. They've learned public speaking. Mm. So sales and marketing and public speaking are a transference of energy and enthusiasm. And a transferable skill, by the yeah. way, too. So, I mean, again, I, I think a lot of people think, oh, I'm not a salesperson. And, I, and I, my last company, I had a company called Fluid. And for your audience that don't know me. Um, and, and that company uh, was the largest creative agency in Asia. And my number one salesperson in that company, and, I, and I'm one of those salespeople in that company, right? The number one salesperson in that company wasn't me. The number one salesperson in that company was my accountant. Wow. Because she loved the company so much. She used to go and have lunch with other CFOs. And they'd be like, what are you all up to? And they'd all gently talk with each other about, and she talked with passion about what she was doing and how our company was helping people. That CFO would go back to the office and talk to the CEO. And the following day, I'd get a phone call to go and pitch them or work with them. You know, so people underestimate, you know, a sales team and where the sales leads and, 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 and brand, right? This is also mm. brand. Brand comes from, right? I don't know what your experience is. I know you also, you train salespeople too. Do you? the part what you've helped people. I know my nephew, for example, is learning yeah. sales from you. Yeah, um, we're getting much better at training um, our sales staff. I've trained people to public speak and sell from the stage. I hated selling because... Mm. If you really think about my story, it's freaking obvious why I hated selling because the fat 11-year-old kid didn't want to face any rejection from anyone. Mm. So the biggest thing that will hold you back from selling is the fear of rejection or the desire to please people. How did you overcome that? That's a big one, very young age. Because I I was able to work out a greater pain. The way to deal with a difficult decision or overcome a great challenge in your life, I actually think can be simplified. What's the greater pain? Is it a greater pain for me to learn sales and go through the pain of learning sales and the rejection? Or is it a greater pain to never learn sales? So public speaking, I put myself in such fucking uncomfortable positions because I actually worked out. I don't know how I worked this out. It would be a much greater pain to not be a public speaker. Mm. So if anyone's really stuck in a decision, what's the greater pain for you? Is is that the same as like, you know, is it translatable into like, okay, if I don't learn to sell, I won't eat. You know, like I won't, I won't be able to buy the food. Is it, is it, is it the up against the wall type of? Because you can learn one thing or another, and there is an argument that you know I can go and learn. 
how to you know how to draw a building and I'll make a living and I'll, I'll be okay you know like what what makes that that young kid who has a fear of being rejected overcome rejection I, I I'm trying to give that to people listening because it's really a powerful thing and I'm trying to translate it exactly. so that's also I can simplify that as well yeah. the simple way to overcome rejection is to um, embrace and um, accept and have courage to be disliked similar right. as if you embrace being disliked have the courage to be disliked and present to your present yourself and your offer to the world, despite the fact you know that some people are going to reject it and criticize it. That is both freedom uh, and that is the way that you overcome any of this fear of rejection. Because if you have the courage to be disliked, you can't be rejected. Mm. Oh, you dislike me? No worries. That's on you, not on me. Mm. I know who I am, and I'm perfectly okay with mm. you disliking me. In fact, mm. I'd like more dislikes, please, because then that means I've got a bigger brand. Well, that's the irony. <laughs> I, I've got, you know, I've got a, a TikTok video that's got just over five million views, and I and bet that's your biggest trolled one. And exactly. haters and yeah, wankers. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's the haters it, that, that actually, ironically, yeah, give you their make, energy. Yeah, and, in and, a weird way, and they give you virality, and they're all the sub threads. Yeah. It's all, like, I love a good hater now yeah. because I know they're going to pop me on the algorithm. Now, now you chase the hater. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, say something to get a hater going. Come on, what can you oh, say? Oh, that's easy. Money just... doesn't matter. Money's easy, you know. So that, that annoys people. You yeah. Say, you know, like, money doesn't matter. It's okay for you to say that. You've got money, you know. Like those, yeah. like, finding those triggers is quite interesting. Yeah, well, I am. Um... Debt, by the way, is one of those things. Me, I, When I say don't get into debt, I get a lot of haters for it. Because, oh really? But they're but, but yes, because and I, and I Why? sometimes well because they've already, well, already reached that portal. I think sometimes they're you know they're haters without a profile picture and no bio. So sometimes I'm like, are you a bank? Yeah. You know, like are you an ex? Just be yeah. honest. Are you, are you like a bank behind the scenes trying yeah. to keep the debt machine going? You know, like don't say that. Yeah. Um, but but my thing, and I'd love you to uh, you know uh, you can disagree with me on this. It's just something I I, I feel um, young people in particular. What, I, what I've seen, because I've, I've invested in 72 startups, right? and what I've seen is I've invested in these businesses is that when people come to me to invest, actually the average age is kind of in their early 30s, right? And, and quite often the pitch is, I have a dream to do this business. I've wanted to do it for years, but I haven't been able to because of my financial situation. But I want to do it. If you invest in me, I'll do it. And then when I dig into it, it's like, well, often they got a mortgage when they were quite young, you know, like 18, 19, 20. Then they, they stayed in the house. They lived in the house. Then they got a bigger house because they got in a relationship and they got into more debt. It's not like they started to pay their house off. They got into more debt. And then they got themselves to a situation where they've got a nice lifestyle and a big monthly payment and no income, right? And that's the debt trap that I try to talk. So what I say is don't get a mortgage when you're young. Go and see the world. Experience things. Experience, do things. Like you say, work for someone for three months. If you've got a mortgage to pay, a fixed cost with no income coming in, you have to meet that monthly cost. And that's when I think people get trapped. And that's what I've been saying about debt to people. What, what do you think? I think uh, uh, if you challenged me to disprove that, I think I could. But if you challenged me to back it up, I think I could. Because I, I think in life, nothing is all upside or downside. Mm. So let's do both for a bit of fun. So I'm going to challenge it. If you have overhead, it will force you to go and hustle and create more revenue. Is that what you see in people? You think that's what I, I see? Well, if you, want to make your, if you want to make your company successful... A bit of overhead can be healthy mm. because if you've got no, there's two types of stress. There's distress and eustress. Distress, that negative, debilitating, anxious mm. stress. Eustress is that positive stress where you've got a deadline and you've got a hustle like a, you know. Mm. And I'm not saying too much overhead, but you're only talking about a mortgage. Um, but a small amount 
of overhead can, I know this because I look at our overhead and I'm like, certainly through you're, lockdown, you're I've looked at an overhead from a company perspective, though, which I think is, is different. I, I can see it from a company perspective, like that we said earlier, but about it's, hiring someone. It's not definitely. really any different because it might force you to go for that salary raise or force you to get um, a higher paying job. I get the trap. Mm. The trap is you eke up your expenses and you don't eke up your revenue accordingly. Mm. Um, and so the margin of safety or you've got left gets less. I see that trap. But if you use debt to leverage and to leverage your actions, it can be really good. So um, number two is there's a big difference between good debt and bad debt. And good debt can be leveraged three to five times and you can earn on the full asset value of the good debt that you couldn't even, you couldn't afford. So I would definitely say don't rule that out. Um, if you get a mortgage young, you can have it paid off when you're young. Just like if you get a job when you're 18, you can earn more money by the time you're 21. Mm. So, um, but, you know, maybe you've seen more people back themselves into a corner. But it's, it's, here's the thing, that's the truth. It's not the getting into the debt. It's their money management and their money emotions and their behaviors around money. One thing I will add is, ironically, after saying all that, Mark and I have never put any debt on this business. And I actually think we're smaller because of it. I think if we'd have had debt and you know, essentially more creditors and more shareholders breathing down our necks, I think we could have been three times the size. But we might have one quarter of the equity. Um, and I know equity and debt are different in that regard, but um, we have we've 50% shareholders in all the companies, no debt, not even for that chair or a desk or, you know, often you get... Which is amazing, by the way. That is... But, in, but itself, might, might in itself, we, that is an achievement. But, I mean, yeah, I, but could we be a 500 million pound company? Yeah, but you, you could have, also be, you know, not enjoying your life and being told by shareholders that you can't invest in all this amazing equipment you've got. In oh, yeah, you know, like you're, you're right. Oh, no, you can't have an agency. Why? You can't do podcasts because yeah. you're a property company. Yeah, why are, yeah. You on, why are you on Clubhouse every day? Yeah. You know, like you've got a business to run. Yeah. You know, they like, wouldn't understand the bigger picture. That That's you're the main reason see. I haven't raised any finance. Yeah. Not about the money. It's, it's about the control. Which I think that boils down to, like, people have got to decide their destination. You know, what is it they actually want if they can think about that ahead of time that mm. helps you decide whether because some people want a billion dollar company then you know mm. go for it you're going to have I'm not to asked about having a billion dollar company because what the fuck does that mean right you know Coca-Cola a billion dollar company aren't they but well, it, I think they were five billion dollar richer until yeah. uh, Ronaldo I know yeah, but no, we should recreate that by the way yeah, you've got, you've got yeah. to do that here we could just... but, but the point not I don't like to actually name companies that's not fair but well, they won't be my sponsor on the podcast now. There's another well, one now. Go, another one cost. Yeah, and I've got no staff left because of you. So yeah. um, don't forget, simonscribb.com, sign up there. <laughs> but, but, you know, no one knew about what Coke would do from your health 50 or 100 years ago. But um, so having a billion dollar company is just arbitrary. It means fuck all. I'd rather have a 10 million company that does a lot of good and gives me a really good lifestyle and lets me meet interesting people mm. So um, well, that message needs to get out more because I mean, in the world I'm in, all we ever talk about is unicorns, and you know, if you're not a unicorn, you don't get talked about as if only but the unicorns company. are unicorns. So. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? Like, the, yeah. it, it, it shouldn't be the value of the company, and that's why you get talked no. about. It should be about the and you the, can manipulate the, the value as well. Of course, you can. I mean, you put a dollar into my company, and I give you zero point zero 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 one percent of that company. I'm a billion dollar company, and you can start calling me a mm. unicorn. Mm. Right? I'm surprised you don't just say you're a millionaire by thirty. You no, know, who's going to check? <laughs> who's going to know? Because I like to be accurate. Do you, do you play golf? Um, I did. 
Yeah, I was off nine when I was a kid. Wow, okay, yeah, because on golf, I always lie. I don't know why. I'm always like, yeah, that was a hole in one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's better to be honest with yourself because then you know how good you are at golf. But yeah. look, I think I'm just conscious of, of time. I can see a lot of people are making some great comments, like Cheryl saying, I gave up drinking at uni so I could start a business. I want to know how you're doing, Cheryl. Tell us more about that. Uh, and I've got Paul, his, I'm having to squint. I don't need glasses, but it's a big screen, but fixed I am on a boiler of a pair with the headphones over the top. Can't read what you're saying. I will read all your comments later. Jane's offered to work for free. Did it, is, okay. that, is that Simon or Rob? Yeah. Who do you want to work for, Rob or Simon? Feel free. <laughs> yeah, is that Rob yeah. or Simon? For my channel, guys. Come on, I need you. I need you to uh, stand up for me. Um, frankly, I think Rob would be better to work for. Uh, just, just, just an opinion from interviewing him. Today. <laughs> uh, but look, Rob, thanks so much for uh, sharing your story. Thanks um, for coming. I, I, I enjoyed Looking it. Forward to dinner. Yeah, I, me too. Yeah, yeah. And um, I will drop the competition if you pay for dinner. We'll just drop the competition. Well, no one has to come and pitch their idea and come and work uh, on their own startup and. and, and oh, real oh okay. you've already done it though. Real uh, no, policy. I don't mind getting dinner. I always, yeah, yeah. I, love, <laughs> I always like to buy dinner. But we'll, we'll um, do a love alive later. Come, you've, you've driven nearly two hours. The least I can do is buy dinner. Yeah. Dinner. But you already fucking said it. We were live. No, I know. So, so well, by the way, I should have asked before. My bad. I'm um, swearing on your podcast. What's the? I, I think if people don't like swearing, they can fuck off. <laughs> That's what I think. But uh, I, I, thank you everybody for listening on my channel, and of course, uh, nice to meet you all on my channel. Come and join me on my channel. Come and say hi. Oh uh, uh, yeah! Shout out to everyone. What your podcast and your channel? Uh, so you can, if you want to start or grow a business, we help entrepreneurs for free at purposefulproject.com. And if you want to reach out to me directly, you can go on my website simonsquib.com. And I'm big on TikTok. So at Simon Scribble on TikTok. And I don't know what big means. I'm eating too much food, basically, what that means. So <laughs> I'll see you all soon. Thanks again, Rob. Cheers. See you, everyone.